The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello there, I'm Austin Bristow, and you're listening to On The List. For episode 27 on Thursday, August 26th, I'm joined by pitcherless writer Sarah Griffin. Sarah, thanks for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we could make it happen. I know. It's been a little tricky getting the uh, <laughs> scheduling worked out here, but we are sitting down. We're recording now. It's all good. Now, for those of you who have not listened before, each week I'm joined by a writer from the Pitcherless staff. We talk baseball, we discuss what they've been working on recently, and we like to do a mailbag session at the end where we answer your questions. You can send those questions directly to me on Twitter. I am at Bristowski. Or, even better, you can get them to me over at our PL Plus Discord server. If you're interested in that, head over to pitcherless.com slash plus. Now, Sarah, where can the people find you on Twitter? So on Twitter, you can find me at SKG underscore 18. And Sarah has many, many times the number of followers that I do. (laughs) You're like 10,000. Is that right? I would say, I don't even know. They all kind of, I feel like the same 10 people reply to me all the time. So it doesn't even feel like it's that many. (laughs) Yeah, I... I'm I'm not the most active on Twitter these days, and so I've just kind of been stagnating around like I don't know, 700. I don't yeah, know. I don't have very many followers, so which is okay. I don't need that many. Oh no, I just looked. Uh, it's 24,000. You're at. Yeah, it really is. I interact with the same few people, so it never feels like that many. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times you get into that certain like you're into baseball Twitter or like specifically like I know Braves Twitter is a place that I hang out a lot. And so it's just kind of this echo chamber of the same people. Uh, So I definitely understand where you're coming from on that end. I would say, I feel like I'm in like this room of just Red Sox Twitter and Brewer Twitter. I dabble into and I'm like, it's the same people. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's, that sounds about right. (laughs) Well, Sarah, the people here, aren't here to listen to us you know talk about twitter they want to know who is sarah griffin so why don't you just start off here with a little uh you know get to know your question just tell us a bit about yourself okay so i actually started at pitcherless last july right at the start actually of the shortened covid baseball season you know perfect time to start 
Absolutely. But I went to Bridgewater State here in Massachusetts, and I graduated in spring 2020. And I've always wanted to be a sports writer. So it was kind of, it was tough, obviously, to get any jobs post-COVID, especially post-graduation in general, sports writing so hard. So Pitcherless came at the perfect time for me that I was like, oh my God, thank God, I can actually like write about baseball and like I'm not just stuck here. And so since then, I've been doing a lot of baseball writing as well as in the last year now, I've been getting into more professional lacrosse. So it's been a mix of baseball and lacrosse writing over the last year. But baseball-wise, I'm very much a Red Sox fan, in general, a New England sports fan, but I'm also a big Brewers fan because I like to have the NL team going. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely understand the whole like having that secondary team. Um, although I I gotta say, the Braves were right there as a very fun team to root for. I I feel like Atlanta just makes for a good secondary team for anybody. Just throwing that out there. Well, see, my thing was, so I saw Christian Yelich play, I think it was in 2015 when he was still with the Marlins, and I was, I don't know, 17 at the time, and he came to Fenway, and of course, when you're a 17-year-old girl, I was like, oh, that guy's cute, I'm like, that guy now, too. <laughs> I didn't really, like, I wasn't as into baseball as I am now, and I was like, well, he's not a Red Sox player, so I'm just going to follow him, but then he wasn't... He was fun to follow, but the Marlins in general, obviously that time period kind of just went on a downturn. And then once he got traded to the Brewers, I was like, you know what? I can hop on board with the Brewers. They seem fun. I don't know much about Milwaukee or them in general, but, and that was in 2018. And obviously they came so close to playing the Red Sox in the World Series. So I was like, oh, <laughs> this is kind of a tough choice by me, but I'm, I'll stick with it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Milwaukee's a great city. Big fan. So fun. Awesome, awesome. So, big Red Sox fan. Um, you know, has there been anyone that sticks out as a particular favorite player of yours over the years? I feel like I've gone through phases in life, but where I have the different all-time favorite player, but the more I think about it, I always just go back to Pedro, obviously. Yeah. And I think it's like, I feel like a lot of people with baseball, you have like that attachment with it in your childhood, which is why I'm always like, oh, Pedro. Cause he was like the first player I could recognize on TV when I was like four. First jersey I ever owned. Like my parents loved him, still love him. And he's still so, like, you still see him everywhere here in New England. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think you're like the third or fourth Red Sox fan I've had on. And I think all of my Red Sox fans have answered with Pedro as their yep. favorite player. I mean, it's hard not to love the guy. He's one of the most talented pitchers of all time. And mm -hmm. he, his personality is fantastic. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like if I were to say, you know, my favorite player is Freddie Freeman, everyone would be like, well, you're a Braves fan and he yeah. is awesome. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame you for that one. Now, here is where things get a little different. I yeah. think you are the first person <laughs> when I have asked the question, how many leagues do you play in? Because that is that's a very contentious topic. You know, we get some people coming in are in like, you know, just three or four. Uh, I think I've had a couple people that are in like 10 or 15. Sarah, how many fantasy baseball leagues do you play in? I'm in none. <laughs> What's going on there? So 
it's actually funny because you know obviously with picture list you we do the um like season previews like coming in like team previews like um division previews and whatnot and the thing i struggled with most when i was writing i did the team preview this year in january oh. for the red Sox. <laughs> I just have never played fantasy baseball. And so obviously a lot, like people are using it as a fantasy guide. And I guess I was just like messing up some, like I don't know what certain things mean. So I was like teaching myself it on the fly and like reading (laughs) all these other like fantasy guys from like years before. I'm like, okay, so this is what we're looking at from this aspect. And I was like, oh, it's not the same as like, Oh, well, this player is going to have a big, like, breakout year. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. See, we need to get you reading our Fantasy 101 series and so that you can participate in staff leagues next year. Yes. <laughs> Let's make that happen. I know. I need to get more into it. And I, like, I have a few friends, obviously, that are so, so into it. And they'll, like, talk about our group messages and stuff. And I'm just like seems like a full-time job you got going on here. And I think the best thing about fantasy that a lot of people will tell you is, you know, you get into following your team and you watch their games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But fantasy forces you to take an interest in other teams and other players that you wouldn't naturally follow. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, I don't follow the Red Sox at all, but boy, oh boy, have I been super into, you know, keeping track of my Red Sox players. Um, (laughs) I've got JD Martinez in one league. Rafael Devers has been big for me. So yeah, it's been, it's been great to keep up with those guys. I'm just super, super happy. I don't own any Red Sox pitchers. Oh yeah. You, you lucked out there. There's maybe two or three. I'd be like, Oh yeah, that's a good pickup. Otherwise, no, (laughs) we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll get it. There's a lot to say about that one. But yeah, I think uh, if you're gonna, you know, stay on with pitch this, we're gonna need to remedy this. We're gonna need to get some, <laughs> get some fantasy baseball under your belt. Um, it's it's a fun time. I think I think a lot of our a lot of our listeners would agree. It's a fun time. <laughs> well, I see it on Twitter all the time. People are like, "Oh, fantasy baseball community!" Like, and I know most, so many people that I follow from pitcher lists are involved in that. I'm just like. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Got to get going. Well, I know I'm going to next, next spring, I'm going to be messaging you like, Hey, <laughs> are you signed up for the staff league yet? And you'll be like, no. And I'll be like, well, do it. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Perfect. I will, I will put a reminder in my phone. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you've, you've been with us for now for about a year or so. Yeah. Um, are there any projects or anything that you found particularly rewarding or anything you're especially proud of? I think still to this day, my favorite pictureless work that I've done so far, it was actually my very first article I did back in July, 2020. It was again, right before the season started. I did just kind of like a player profile on John Means because even though I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm a big John Means fan, a big Trey Mancini fan. So I also do kind of follow the Orioles mainly for that reason. Just because I love those two. And so, obviously, Johnny had a great 2019 season, and I wanted to kind of just, like, I feel like he didn't get the appreciation he deserved from everyone besides from Orioles fans. So I was like, oh, I'm going to write a player profile, because he actually has such an interesting, like, story, like, journey to the major leagues and stuff. And most notably, I, like, published it, whatever, and it got 
way bigger of a reception than I thought. And also John Means' wife, Caroline, actually started following me from it. And I was like oh, kind dang. of struck about that because I love her. She's awesome. And I've talked to her now since. And she's just a great person. I love both those people so much. But yeah, I think that's my favorite one just because I was like, here's like all these pitching stats and why you should be paying attention. But also like, here's him as a person and why he's cool and so awesome and everyone should love him. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I I think I vaguely remember when that happened and um, people were like, um, John Means has read your thing. Yeah. It was, it was wild. I was so, like, I was trying to play cool. But I was like, oh, my God, John Means actually read what I wrote from him. And yeah, and that's, like, one of the first pieces that you put out after graduating yeah and so it's like wow immediate success this is awesome <laughs> i know because after i graduated i was just before i got on with picture list i was just writing for my own blog which was fine like i would publish it to twitter and stuff but that was the first piece obviously i wrote like not just under my own name like independently whatever and i'm like well and there we go john means has read it so <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> Now, this other project you'd have mentioned here in the notes is something super duper interesting. Uh, tell me about what you got going on with your interviews you're doing. Yeah, so it started off back in June. I I was actually reading a book on just minor league baseball, you know, whatever. And I was like thinking, I was like, I feel like we hear like one or two like stories from like individual minor leaguers or whatever. I'm like, but you never hear from like all of them collectively. And like, that's the voice I think, at least in baseball, I want to hear from the most because I think when we think of like all these like struggles in baseball, it's in minor leagues. Like that's where the problems really start at in the way they're treated. And so I posted a Google form, like asking like, oh, like I think I was going to get like maybe like 10 or 15 responses. And to me, I was like, that's plenty. Like I can put in whatever just looking for minor leaguers who want to talk about their own journey and their own experience in the minor leagues and whatnot. And somehow I got over a hundred responses to it. And so since then I, it took me, what's today, August, it's August 26th. I started this, I think the middle of June and I've now interviewed 87 minor leaguers to this point. Wow. It's some of them had, like just filled out Google Forms because I did like ask I don't know like how like it's different with the minor leagues they don't have the same media training obviously as major leaguers right. where I'm like I don't want to make them feel like they're forced to like sit through this interview or something so maybe about 20 of them were all through like Google Forms like I gave them questions and it was almost like essay format but the rest of them it was either like over the phone on Zoom like whatever. And some of the calls would be like 15 minutes, some would be over an hour, but I just got like the most like craziest stories and just some of the journeys that these guys have gotten to to get to this point has been insane. But then also I like to put in like, oh, what's your favorite part been? Like, what's your favorite story? Like this stuff that like makes it worth it for them, you know? Yeah, that's wild. Has there been any... Has there been any that have like really stood out to you thus far? Any particular ones that either someone had a really interesting story or you got someone that like people would recognize the name or something along those lines? Well, actually, the very first one I did on over video was Tucker Davison. from, oh, And 
it was probably about four days before he got called up to the major. Like, I think he had already been up, but, like, now he's been up more regularly. And he, like, just casually mentioned, he's like, oh, yeah, like, actually, I'm pitching on Monday, like, in That's the majors. Awesome. Like, just casually in the middle of the conversation, I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and he was, like, super interesting to talk to, like, so friendly, like, had a lot of good things to say and probably was one of the more inter- interesting interviews that I did. And then, yeah, he pitched that Monday and I actually watched it because I was like, you know what, I'm a fan of this guy now. And he did great. So that's probably the most memorable one for me just because then I was able to watch him like on my TV a few days later. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, it's it's too bad he's, you know, out at this point and probably for the rest of the year. It's going to be close yeah. whether or not he actually makes it back, maybe for the playoffs. But we'll see. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing all the stories you've been able to put together and really just kind of what you're what you've been hearing and stuff like that as far as the actual life that these guys go through. I mean, we oh. all we all hear about, you know, the brutal conditions that some of these guys play through uh and for, you know, pennies in the dime especially for any minor leaguers who weren't you know top round picks and didn't get you know multi-million dollar signing bonuses the the rest of the guys are coming in just chasing their dream and trying to make ends meet at the same time i imagine you've heard some crazy stuff Oh, yeah, because that's the other thing. Like, I never want to, like, force anyone to, like, say anything. Like, I'm like, if you're comfortable, like, is there anything that, like, what's been the worst thing for you? Like, and, you know, obviously no one ever wants to be like, oh, like, what's the money situation? But some of them will just be like, the money sucks. Like, you have to do this, 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 and this just to, like, get by. But then also other guys who have been like, oh, like, it is what it is. That's what I expected. I also think it also has a lot to do with, like, where certain, like, different people come from like some of them are just like this is how it's going to be like and i'm going to do whatever whereas some guys who they have like landscaping jobs you know retail jobs on the side you know everyone knows the story of uh the twins pitcher randy how he was an uber driver yeah there's just like everyone has a completely different journey and they all are like working for the same thing so it's kind of crazy to hear all these different things yeah fascinating that where all of them are have so many experiences that they are absolutely sharing. They've all got a different way they got there and they've got a lot of different, you know, paths ahead of them as far as some are going to make it to the big, some maybe they never will. And it's, but they're all grinding for it. And it's, I'm like I said, this is super intriguing that you've been able to just kind of, throw this together it's it kind of shows the the kind of realm we're in now with the access we have to athletes um oh my god it's insane like when i first got like all those responses i was like actually i was so overwhelmed to be honest because i was like how am i going to sift through like hundreds of these interviews like whatnot and i was just like because I don't want to leave anyone out. Like, that's the thing. Like, right. my whole thing was I want to start this because I was like, I want to hear more. So I'm like, I want to hear every single one of these people's stories. Absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, 
you went in without any like formal credentials or anything and you just reached out and said hey anybody want to anybody want to chat and it turns out a lot of people are interested in telling their story or having their story told that's which is good for them good for you it really works out all around so it's just it's just really interesting that you know 20 years ago this would have been literally impossible oh i know that's what my mom always says that she's just like i just can't believe like you had this much response and i'm like it's crazy what the internet can do because like you said it's not yeah. like i'm some, like top mlb reporter or anything like doing this huge cover story for like espn like i'm not Jeff right yeah i'm just like oh let's see who responds i don't know Sometimes things just work out, and I'm super <laughs> excited that it's working out for you. And I'm, like I said, I'm really interested to see what you'll uh, what you'll have to say. Do you know when people might be able to read some of it? I'm hoping by the end of, because I'm hoping to finish the first draft of it by the middle of September, because that's also around the same time my lacrosse season's over. So then I want to have like the final complete one at least by the time like October baseball is over. <laughs> Dope. And can we, are we going to be expecting that on pitch list, I assume? Yes. Fantastic. Glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you've mentioned a couple of times you've been doing lacrosse writing as well. Um, what else do you like to do outside of like the baseball realm? Yeah. So I actually originally like sports media wise, the first like job I had in sports was weirdly, I'm not a basketball fan. I started off just doing like a summer internship with a college like basketball league, like summer league or whatever. But after that, like I am a big hockey fan. And so I started working for the Providence Bruins, which is like the minor league version of the Boston Bruins basically around here. Nice. And that was all before COVID. And so that was my first like real experience. I was still in school at the time, but it was like my first like, oh, professional sports writing, like. And it was nice to kind of get that experience and also actually be covering a sport that I enjoy. Obviously, the whole end game to me was always, well, I want to write about baseball. Like, I want to write about baseball. But I think being able to cover the Providence Bruins kind of grew my love for hockey, which I already was a big hockey fan because it's kind of a big New England thing, obviously. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was able to, like, understand hockey more and that kind of – open my eyes i'm like okay there's not just one sport i guess it's not <laughs> just baseball or bust <laughs> so then this year i was doing some freelance work and they asked me because i live close to gillette stadium um so the premier lacrosse league is like the professional field lacrosse league it happens during the summer and they had their opening weekend at gillette so they asked me to go cover it and i was like yeah sure like why not i actually used to play lacrosse so i like knew enough sure didn't know much about the pros to be honest and i went and i was like wait this is actually really cool so then i just kept taking assignments for it like watching on my own and now it was about a few weeks ago i officially joined kind of almost like a pictureless equivalent of um lacrosse i started right for lacrosse flash and i'm actually going to philly next weekend for the pll semifinals so i'm nice. excited about that <laughs> that's awesome uh, so for all of our, uh, you know, baseball fan listeners, what is something that you can tell us about like lo the professional lacrosse scene? Like how many, for example, like how many fans are, would be in the stands, you know, 
sans covid regulation sort of thing how many fans could would you generally expect um and just kind of what's the what's the general vibe of professional cross it is a completely different vibe from baseball games i will say that obviously two very different sports i'm like Lacrosse, they call it the fastest sport on two feet, which mm-hmm. is definitely true. It's very fast moving, very fast paced. And then the whole like vibe of professional lacrosse games. When I went to go cover it originally at Gillette, I brought my sister with me just because I didn't want to go alone. I was like, I don't really know what to expect. And we pulled in. Everyone's like tail. It's a lot of like young kids, like young kids and like teenagers. And it's just like everyone's tailgating, like playing lacrosse with each other, like hooking out. And yeah, it was just a lot of young, young kids there, which I'm like, obviously at baseball games, you see like kids or whatever, but this was like predominantly kids and then like their parents that were bringing them there, which was interesting to me, which, because obviously lacrosse is a newer sport. Like they're still trying to break in to the world as a pro sport, whatever. So I thought that was kind of cool, at least to see. I'm like, well, you have a very a perfect audience for it. Yeah, I guess it, it makes sense that, you know, a lot of the fans would be young lacrosse players. Yeah, exactly. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, with, like, without, the, yeah, huh. I started playing lacrosse and I was in fifth grade or fourth grade, I think. And it was the first year that my town even had a lacrosse league so like we were like kind of the inaugural and i'm like all right yeah that makes sense then that they have younger fans because it's still a newer sport not newer but like more popular now within the last 20 years or so For sure, especially america and it seems like especially on the east coast yes it's definitely i found to be a very big east coast thing which is why they do so the pll do it um they were founded in 2018 and whatchamacallit they do it tour style so it's not like cities like there's not like a boston team like whatever and they go it's each lacrosse club every weekend or every other weekend whenever they decide to do games it's in cities that have like a big lacrosse background basically nice most of them were on the east coast in the regular season there was their all-star game was in california um they had they're in salt lake city actually last weekend but Maryland, like obviously Baltimore is huge lacrosse place, Long Island. Um, I was in Albany a couple weekends ago. They had it here at Gillette in Boston. It is a lot of East Coast influence, plus a lot of the kids that come up in the PLL are from East Coast colleges because that's where it's most popular, like John Hopkins, Syracuse and whatnot. So I've definitely found, yeah, it's a big East Coast thing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, I was pretty into Ultimate Frisbee f- uh, for a while, uh, yeah. college, and directly following. And the kind of path that professional Ultimate Frisbee and professional lacrosse are taking are kind of mirrored each other along yeah. the way, where they each of them have, you know, kind of gotten a foothold on the East Coast and slowly <laughs> pushed out west, like it's. Ultimate is just a little ahead of lacrosse at the moment. Like they've pushed yeah. into Chicago and places like that pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely up and coming and it's, it's cool that you're kind of getting in on the ground floor here. So yeah, no, it's been super fun. And the PLL, once their season wraps up, then there's actually the NLL, which is the professional indoor league, which is in the winter. Okay. And that is a big, it's very big in Canada. I've, 
found that out very like they have like crowds of like forty thousand plus in like Saskatchewan. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? And I'm like, wow, like I would never which also I'm like Saskatchewan, I guess they don't have much going on there sports wise, so everyone I guess kinda of treats them like celebrities, which I just thought was funny. <laughs> but That's awesome. You better get your uh, better get your passport ready. I know, seriously. They have like teams in Toronto, Saskatchewan, like they're all over the place up there. That's awesome. Well, outside of the sports realm, we'll say, what else do you uh, like to do, you know, hobbies or anything else along those lines? Hmm, I'd say the biggest thing is, I don't know if you've seen, I've tweeted a picture of him just about like every other day, my dog, Freddie. <laughs> it I, is actually National Dog Day today. Did you know I that? I know, because you were saying, so last week was Freddie's birthday. The week before was the one year, like his gotcha day, one year anniversary. And I was like, I guess this is just Freddie's month. Now it's National That's Dog awesome. Day. <laughs> That's so like, good. What our world like centers around. <laughs> he's the most spoiled dog, but he's so cute. So I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> That's so good. Awesome. Awesome. Now I know you wanted to come on and we want to chat about your Red Sox oh, and yeah. the, uh, quite the season they're having yeah <laughs> quite the season so start me off here i like i said i have not watched a lot of red Sox this year um <laughs> what has it been like being a fan i know they got off to a good start one of the best teams in the league before yep. the uh before the break and it's kind of gone downhill uh for, in the past <laughs> couple weeks from what i've seen it, see, the thing is, going into this season, I had such little hopes for them because I was like, they're not going to be good in 2021. Like, Heim Bloom set us up. Like, we'll be okay. We'll be sufficient. But I'm like, October baseball probably just isn't going to happen, especially not in the ALEs. Like, that's fine. My sights are set on, like, next year, 2023, whatever. I was so okay with that. But then the first half of the season, they kind of tricked me into thinking, like, oh, this team could make such a push come October to the point they're number one. There's a point. I think they're four and a half games up on the race at one point of this year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, right. Oh my God, like no one expected this to happen. Like everything just seems to be going the right way. And like, they have a good roster. Don't get me wrong. Like, especially offensively. Like I'm like, yeah, that makes sense that this lineup is like mashing from top to bottom. But then pitching was never something that I expected to be like, anything special this year but things were just going their way in the first half so i was like well if things are going our way now and we still have like perez garrett richards in this like um rotation once we get chris sale like back permanently and like tanner how close like here to stay i'm like this team's gonna go so far come october you know the bullpen was great the first half like and it was just like after the all-star break something like switched and it's just been so, especially since the trade deadline, things have just been miserable. <laughs> it felt like the fact that you guys, not only did you not get Anthony Rizzo like it was rumored was going to happen, but he went to the Yankees. It almost felt like that took the wind out of a lot of fan sales. And I, I don't know if that was uh, kind of morale uh, hit to the team or anything along those lines but i'm looking at the stats in the last 30 days 
Um, offense has still been pretty solid. Last 30 days, um, they are, let's see, 12th in the league in runs scored uh, behind teams like the Rays, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, Atlanta. So a lot of these hotter teams right now. Um, And then you look at the last 30 days for pitching. um, Look at the ERA. uh, They are fourth to last. The only teams that have been worse to them recently are Miami, uh, the Cubs, and Baltimore. Yep, that sounds just about right. (laughs) It has been, like you said, with the trade deadline, I think a lot of people were expecting. No one, uh, there was a a hot day. I was like, oh my God, we're getting Max Scherzer and Anthony Rizzo. And then like, as soon as the Scherzer deal went on with the Dodgers stuff, I was like, okay, that was ridiculous for me to think that was happening. Like we were all so, I'm like, eyes on Anthony Rizzo. We need that first baseman, like whatever. We get Chris Dale back. Everything's going to fall in line. It'll all be okay. Obviously, Anthony Rizzo went to the Yankees. And then we got Kyle Schwarber, who it has been great for our offense. Like, for sure. Awesome. But I'm like, it did not help the first baseman question, which was my biggest concern going to trade deadline. Like, as long as we get first baseman, I'm fine. Like, It doesn't have to be Anthony Rizzo, I guess. Whatever. And I know they said they're going to try him out at first base, but that still has yet to happen. And I'm like, at this point, like, I like where he is now. I'm like, for Schwarber, you mean? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. why mess around with it? But also, like, Bobby Dahlbeck is not the answer. <laughs> oh, but you have Travis Shaw now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which he's had a good past week. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, the past but, week, he's been rocking it. I'm like, the thing is, because a lot of people, I feel like the, you, like, think Travis Shaw, like, back to the Red Sox, it's like this, like, happy little, like, reunion tale. But I'm like, Travis Shaw's been with the Brewers the last couple of years. I've seen how Travis Shaw's been playing. I'm like, do not let him fool you. Yeah, no. We're all getting way too excited right now. I'm like, when he was with the Brewers, most of the time, he was down in the minor, like, AAA, and he was hitting, like, freaking, like, 400. And then he would come back up to the majors, and I, it just did not translate. But he would have, like, one big hit every few games that would keep him holding on there. And honestly, once he left the bureau, I was like, that's for the best. This is good. But I, I did not think we would hear his name again. <laughs> and then I got the notification that the Red Sox were picking up Travis Shaw, and everyone was excited. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in his first uh, five games here... I believe he had a Grand Slam or something along those lines. He had a big saving Grand Slam a few nights ago. And then he's also got a really solid 50% strike rate. Strikeout rate, yeah. Yep. (laughs) So, I mean, having the option to platoon Shaw and Dahlbeck helps. Yeah. For sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, dude. I was the long-term solution that I was hoping for. So like, we know this team is capable of winning all these games and making a playoff push. But I'm like, now I I don't think those two are the solution, at least at first base. Obviously, there's a lot more important problems at this point now than first base. That was my biggest concern at the trade deadline. Now I'm just like, what is going on with the bullpen and like half our starters? <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, 
I'm definitely interested to see kind of what their plan is for pitching going forward. I mean, with hitting, for especially like to kind of cap off the first base discussion here, Tristan Casas has been looking amazing in Double A so far this year. Yes. So that's the future of first base for you. But in the, you know, short term, what is the plan for pitching? I mean, great. Sales back. He's pitching tonight. We'll see how that goes. It's against the Twins, so it'll probably be good. Yeah. But otherwise, the rest of the the staff is a little lackluster. I would say Sales been good in his, like, two starts now that we've seen. Like, I'm comfortable with what he looks like so far. Avaldi, I think, has been good. He's been, again, he's always been solid for us, especially last year. He picked up the slack when needed, so you could at least watch a game once a week last year. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, I mean, picking up the slack wasn't too hard on that group, but... (laughs) And then this year, yeah, Baldi's, like, one of the few guys you can rely on. I think Tanner Houck's looked really good. Um, His issue, obviously, he hasn't been... I don't know if it's a mix between he can't go super far into games like make it really past that fifth inning mark or they just want to keep him on that shorter leash since he is still young and not as experienced. Erod's been tough. <laughs> I feel really bad for Erod, but it is so tough to watch him these days. You know, Pavetta's, you get a different... Pavetta's story. Pavetta. Yeah, I'm like, it's exactly what everyone thought. You don't know really what you're getting from him. Some nights you're like, holy crap, like... Can't believe the Phillies gave this guy up, and other nights he's out by like the third inning. <laughs> yeah, it's he's he's been basically the same guy that he was in Philadelphia, which has not surprised anyone really. No. Yeah, I, it looks like how for the most part, he yeah he's never gone more than five innings. Yeah, no, and oh. sometimes I think it is like I don't know if they're like worried about his confidence or something because he always gets pulled, and like the second he gets in a jam in like the fifth inning or something. But also, he does seem to have um, not as great luck as, say, like Chris Sale and Baldy always seem to get plenty of run support, knock on wood. Tanner Houck, think, sometimes gets, like, one run, but then he'll let up, like, three runs, and it makes it look so much worse. So I'm like, the offense isn't doing anything for him. So sometimes I think he's just kind of put in bad situations in that aspect. I would like to see him go more than five innings, though. I think if they do want to make a playoff push, you need him to go longer than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking um, first time through the order. Um, he's so far had a two ERA with, uh, let's see, 235 batting average against. Solid. Love that. Second time through the order, little worse, 352 yeah. ERA, 290 average against. He has thrown exactly two innings going the third time through the order. Uh, in those two innings, he's given up a 4.55 average and a 22.5 ERA. He's given yeah. up five earned runs in two innings. Uh, so maybe that he's just not the guy that they want to go through, you know, the third time. And there might be a day when how comes out against Baltimore or somebody that is, and he's just really having a good time. He's being really efficient. He's given up like zero runs, one run through five. And maybe they're like, you know what, kid? <laughs> Let's give you another one inning. Maybe yeah. two. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, I think if if there's a 
if there's still playoff hope for the for the Red Sox, I think Hauk is going to have to be a part of that. Oh yeah, they definitely need to figure out. And Tally, we reached a point. It's like there's not much time at this point for him to figure out how to get through the third time, let alone a fourth for October baseball. You know, because that's what I've been saying. I'm like, oh, it's still early, like whatever. I'm like, all right, we're about to get into September now, and we're in the second wild card spot, barely hanging on. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm looking at their system to see is there any you know help on the horizon uh connor siebold he's been okay yeah in triple a he has been pretty good you know i think especially come september with the expanded rosters maybe we'll see him i i just want to see how he does like even if it's just for a couple innings because if we're going continue on the track that they're on now I think it's worth taking a look at at least like you need to do something there's you can't keep it as is at first the big change is oh we're going to put Richards and Perez in the bullpen and Houck's going to be up full time like I was like okay and we have sale back whatever clearly based off the last few weeks that was not the answer to all the problems it doesn't seem to really answer any of the problems actually (laughs) I didn't realize that Jose De Leon is now in the Red Sox system. I did not realize that. <laughs> Yikes. I, I was going to say, I thought, I was like, I thought he was with the Rays. No, no, the Reds. And he was with the Reds earlier and he was released after uh, having 18 innings of an 835 ERA with them. <laughs> so now he's in AAA with the Red Sox if I talk it. So. I- had no idea. <laughs> you got Jose De Leon there to help you out. Oh, <laughs> there we go. That's, that'll solve it all. Exactly. What, what's what's how's he done for you guys? Let's see. Um, oh, he actually has not yet pitched for Pawtucket. So great. Oh, Worcester now. It's Worcester now. Oh, Worcester. Oh, really? Yeah. When was they that change made? Now they're the Woo Sox. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's cute. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, Siebold is an option. I'm seeing Cutter Crawford as another interesting name, perhaps. Maybe. Although he's been pretty not good. So, unfortunately, there's just not a lot left in the Red Sox farm system to kind of pull from. It's definitely nice having Sale back. I expect him to be good. He seems healthy based on what we've seen so far. And that's definitely a big boost to have a proper ace back on the mound. But yeah, uh, if Erod's not gonna be Erod, uh, if if you're not able to get anything better out of you know Richards or Hauk or anything like that, it's it's gonna be ooh, it's gonna be tricky. It's just and because again they push like Richards and Perez down to the bullpen, which I was like. Honestly, Martin Perez seems like a great guy. Like, I don't even really want him out of the bullpen at this point. Yeah. His first two um, appearances out of the bullpen were okay. And I think since then, it's just been all downhill. It's like seven plus ERA. So I'm like, it's just not working out here in any. Then Garrett Richards has been pretty good, actually, out of the bullpen. But they don't use him a ton. I don't think I've seen him now for at least a few days. But they continue to, like 
use the heck out of Matt Barnes, who just does not have it right now, which, of course, he had it all first half of the season, you know, was this all-star, and then everyone gets in slumps, but I'm like, it seems like he's slumping at the same time, Ottavino's slumping at the same time, yeah. Garrett Whitlock has been good, but you can't rely on the, like, 25-year-old that you got on your rule five <laughs> to save your entire bullpen. I mean, Whitlock's been awesome. Do you think they might look at him for a starting role, perhaps? Stretch him out? I saw that there, if anything, he might be tried out at closer now instead of Matt Barnes. Interesting. But I think the goal is for next year, it sounds like they want to at least give him a chance to start or even just open, which I think, why not? He's had a great year. Why wouldn't you give him the opportunity yeah, Garrett Whitlock, 60 and a third innings pitched, 67 strikeouts, 164 ERA, and a 111 whip. That's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 27% K rate, 6% walk rate. That's that's a good time, as for a, especially for a Rule 5 pick from the Yankees. I that's got to feel amazing. <laughs> I always think that, because I actually wrote a picture list article at the start of the season. I think it was in, like, April or May, about how, like, Garrett Whitlock has kind of been, like, a secret weapon for the Red Sox. Whereas now, I'm like, he's, like, our whole bullpen. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's all we really have there now. <laughs> Not yeah, even it's a been... weapon. You got Hansel Robles. <laughs> he got... <laughs> Hansel Robles is so, so streaky. Uh, two nights ago, he saved the game and whatnot. Then last night, which I'm like, okay, he's not someone you should put in two nights in a row, clearly. He, I, I don't know if it was a grand slam or something, but he blew the game right yep. open and then he went to extras and lost. <laughs> yeah, brutal. Well, is there anything else that you think needs to be said about the Red Sox here? What do you, what do you, what do you realistically expect from them? through september realistically i do expect them to have wild card spot i do i don't know if that's just me being too optimistic but i've looked at now like our schedule compared to the A's, because that's who we're vying for for that second wild card spot and i think we have the easier schedule compared to the A's. hey seattle's only two and a half games back yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah things seem to be going well for them now so that's good <laughs> It's a crazy team with a minus 56 run differential that just somehow wins close games exclusively. It's wild. Yeah, I would say if they end up knocking us out, I'll be like, you know what? All the power to them. They deserve it more at this point for how much we've just imploded over the last month. If the, if, if the Mariners make the playoffs, um, I think we need to check on Mikey Ahedo and make sure yes. he's make sure he hasn't partied himself into an early grave. <laughs> well, if it's the uh, ends up being a Mariners Yankees game, I'm like that cuz I actually don't love that wild card games are just the one. I wish it was a three game series, but I'm like if it's Mariners Yankees just one game, I'm putting my money on the Mariners. I'll say it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I think the Yankees would beat him in the series, but I'm like, one do-or-die game, Mariners. <laughs> to watch the Mariners go up against the Rays would be amazing. That would be so funny. <laughs> so, for the Red Sox, though, you think they have got a wildcard spot in them? I mean, the offense is still clicking. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, if you can get, If you can get production out of sale, if you can get... Continue production out of Hauk and 
something from someone else. Yeah. If you can f- have three semi-reliable starters, yeah, I, I think you've got a I good shot com- at a wild card spot. Yeah. I feel confident with Sale. Like, obviously, I'm not like, oh, this is reliant on him. He just got back from Tommy John. Obviously, he's not going to be like 2018 Chris Sale, whatever. But <laughs> I like what I've seen from him so far. I feel okay with him. Avaldi, I feel comfortable with. Like, we all know. Like, he's good. I'd give him, like, a B plus. <laughs> like, he's a good second starter in that rotation. Yeah. And then how, again, if he can go solid five innings, then that's okay with me. The bullpen, I need Matt Barnes to figure it out. That's my big one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. I I was just looking. I didn't realize um, the Red Sox are forty and and twenty six at home, mm-hmm. thirty two and thirty on the road. Yeah, they have a great time at Fenway. Yeah, so they definitely have a good time at Fenway. Struggle most places else. But the thing was, they weren't even struggling that hard. Again, it's just been the second half when yeah. they're away. It has not been going their way. <laughs> For sure. But let's talk about a team who's having a great time. Yes. Your backup squad that is keeping you out of a deep, deep depression. <laughs> your Milwaukee Brewers. I honestly, again, like I said, I started following Brewers in 2018. So I. Again, that was the year that the 2018 Red Sox, like, they had that field in the whole year. I was like, the Red Sox are going to win the World Series. This Brewers team, I'm like, maybe it's just recency bias. I'm like, they remind me so much of that 2018 team for the Red Sox, just with less, like, big star power name, which almost makes me like them so much more. Because <laughs> they're, like, leading offensive hitters are, like, Garcia, like, yeah. Omar, like, Rowdy Tellis, like... Just the most random mix of people. Like, if you looked at that lineup, you'd be like, okay, I know, like, Christian Yelich, like, Willie Domus, whatever, which Willie Domus obviously has been amazing. I think that's still the best trade that's been made, biasly, probably. That's, yeah. in my opinion, the best trade of this year. But you look at that lineup, and those are not the names that you would pick to be like, yeah, that's what's been carrying this offense. For sure. Um so we were looking at where the Red Sox ranked in the last 30 days. Uh, let's check now on the Brewers. Last 30 days, the Brewers are the fourth team in uh, runs scored only behind Tampa, Cincinnati, and Colorado. Uh, and in ERA, they are number six, only trailing the Dodgers, Yankees, Giants, Blue Jays, and strangely enough, the Cardinals? I would say I'm surprised the Brewers are even sixth in ERA. I thought they would be higher. I know. that that uh, Really the crazy thing to me about the Brewers is how just kind of out of nowhere over the past couple of years, they've put together a ridiculous pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times like Atlanta – they stocked up on pitching prospects, on pitching prospects, on pitching prospects for years. Yeah. So everyone knew at some point the Braves are going to have a really good rotation. That's going to happen. Where did Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff even come from? Well, it's so funny because I actually did. I wrote an article. I didn't even include Freddie Peralta at the beginning of the season, this article. 
I was just like, oh, it's two-headed like pitching monster that the Brewers have going on at the beginning of the season. I had Woodruff and Burns, who I feel like, yeah, they did kind of just like come out of nowhere to a lot of people. And like they all went through the Milwaukee system, whatever. And Milwaukee farm system, like they're not some top ranked system or whatever. So it's like, where are these guys coming from that they've been growing through Milwaukee? Now all of a sudden they have those two, like Peralta, and then add on to their scary bullpen. It's just like, what is this pitching that like all of a sudden is just like no one can hit? Who what oh it's Joey Votto today, like said that Brewers pitching staff is the scariest pitching staff I've faced, even compared to like 2010's like early Phillies. <laughs> yeah, I mean going I can't imagine a play a batter going up against, you know, Corbin Burns when he's on and then Burns comes out and everyone breathes a sigh of relief until they see Devin Williams walking out of the <laughs> bullpen. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's, I mean, the Brewers have got two of the best, maybe three of the best relievers in baseball. Boxberger's been gangbusters this year. Well, I say Boxberger out of nowhere because I remember when I first like started watching the season, like Boxberger's coming out and I was just like, oh. Like, wait, so when is this guy go? Because yeah, I'm a new hater. 33-year-old journeyman. Yeah. Like, Hayden like, Williams, we all knew. We're like, yeah, like, that's a scary bullpen just based off those two alone. I'm like, Boxberger out of nowhere. All of a sudden, like, it's the three of them. You have the three guys in the rotation, the three guys in the bullpen. <laughs> it's wild. And what's almost crazier is I think people are kind of underrating Josh Hader. Yes, which is wild. Like, everyone knows he's the best reliever in baseball right now. Yeah. But he's far and away this year the best. He's having his best season of his career, which is saying something. He, So far in 47 games, he's pitched 45 and two-thirds innings, 27 saves. Uh, does he have any blown saves? I don't think he does. I'll find that later. Um, but he's got it. Uh, 78 strikeouts in those 45 and two-thirds innings with a 158 ERA, 079 whip. That's a 45% K rate, 9% walk rate. That's like, that's like peak Kimbrel years. I was it just, it's honestly funny to see like that like isn't fair. I feel like if you're a hitter, like like you said, you have to go and face Corbin Burns then close out the game here's josh Hader. like how do you like make contact with anything <laughs> it's absolutely brutal <laughs> and now that now uh peralta is working his way back he today uh it was announced he's gonna throw a bullpen session tomorrow so he he should be back within the next few weeks so yeah that they are set to push for a really nice October run. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rest of the NL Central is just kind of falling over, aside from the Reds, who are all of a sudden productive. Yeah, and they're I still mean, eight and a half back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh and Chicago are terrible. Just yeah. very bad. St. Louis is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Cincinnati's got a good offense, not much in the pitching department, whereas Milwaukee is over here with a 119 run differential. 
it's just like everything is going the right way for the Brewers. And I don't know if you've seen it. I, a lot of Brewers fans call it, like, when they get the expanded rosters in September, they call it Craig Timber. Because Craig Council always makes these, like, crazy creative things that always ends up working. <laughs> so everyone's like, oh, people are saying now, like, Brewers, just wait till September when all of a sudden everything's being reworked and the most random people are, like, coming in as heroes. <laughs> does Craig Council have a Manager of the Year award yet? I don't think he does. No, he doesn't. He needs one. He's a really, really good manager. He might, I obviously probably by say, I'm like, he might be the best manager right now, I think. Up there for sure. I, if, I think... Looking at the uh, looking at the National League the year, he's got a good shot at manager of the year. The one thing that might be an issue for him, who manages the Giants nowadays? Because oh, they yeah. weren't meant to do anything. Yeah, you're right. Uh, oh God, it's Gabe Kapler. I would say, <laughs> I want to see Gabe Kapler, but yeah. I don't want to see Gabe Kapler get a manager of the year. But yeah, he—I mean, hard to argue with the results that he's been getting this year. Yeah, I. If they like continue on the streak they're going on, I'm like, I mean, they're keeping the Dodgers out of first place still. So I mean, the, the Giants still have the best record in baseball by a good margin, mm-hmm. which is actually insane if you think about what everyone was expecting from them you know beginning of the season well it's so funny because i actually wrote for officials i wrote the nl west um division preview and obviously that's for like fantasy purposes so i had to make some like predictions or whatever i think the giants ranked like maybe third and i'm like eh, (laughs) it's not gonna be anything special like blah blah you know I'm like, well, they certainly proved me wrong. I I really just I didn't say they're gonna be bad. I was just they seemed pretty average, like easy to overlook. <laughs> it's been just the strangest year in San Francisco. So and I I really want it to keep going because I would love to see the Dodgers not win the West. <laughs> I just think it'd be so funny for the Dodgers to have to play a wild card game in whatever poor team it has to play against them in a wild card. Yeah, who who is it even lined up to be right now? Is it still right now? It's Cincinnati. Okay. Oh, Cincinnati has overtaken San Diego in the wild card race. Oh yeah, that's the other thing I was looking at the other day. I'm like. San Diego's really falling off, which is... Oh, all their pitching is injured, and it's... I mean, the Braves have a better record than San Diego does now, and the Braves just, the in the past month, got over 500 for the first time. So, yeah, it's not looking good in that realm of SoCal. Yeah, like, it is unfortunate, because I would love to see Tatis Jr. in October... Yeah. But also, I will say it is a little funny to me <laughs> just because of how many, like, trades. I'm not, like, funny, funny, but I'm, like, they made so many moves for, like, especially pitching. And yeah, they're just falling apart. <laughs> I mean, thinking back to April when San Diego 
was poised as maybe the best team in baseball next to the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. And literally no one was talking about San Francisco. And thinking about where we are now, it is wild. No, I specifically remember. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a division race between the Dodgers and Padres. Like, this crazy rivalry is just going to, like, intensify. And don't get me wrong. Last night's game was great. I thought it was a fun game to watch. I did stay up for the whole thing. But I'm like, they're just fighting for a wild card spot like the Padres are. Like, this isn't this crazy, like, fight for first place. (laughs) Exactly. Somehow sitting there pretty comfortably. (laughs) Yeah. It's absolutely wild what that has come to but the brewers man i gotta say uh i think it was right at the beginning of the season or before the season started i had uh, jordan white on who's a big brewers fan and he and i were trying to figure out what is milwaukee gonna do for first base they had nothing going at the beginning of the season we were trying and he and i were talking about potential trades that could happen things along those lines and i brought up um, you know, it would be an interesting one that I could see happening. There's a team that needs some relief pitching that has a glut of kind of big beefy boys. <laughs> Toronto could trade Rowdy Telez to Milwaukee. And I think that'd be really interesting. I am a genius. I'm very smart. No, I'm just kidding. I got very lucky. I was so happy with that trade. Rowdy Celez beat up on the Red Sox. He was like Barry Bonds against the Red Sox for whatever reason. So, like, oh my God, thank God this guy's out of the division. I'm like, maybe it'll translate over to Milwaukee, but I'm like, eh, look at his numbers. Like, I think he just, he figured out the Red Sox pretty well, but otherwise, eh, but he's been the perfect fit for their first baseman, especially now that, like, Vogelback, I think he's on the 60 day IL. Like, yeah. But it really hasn't been, like, it's been nice. I'm like, oh, so that's what it's like to have a reliable first baseman. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, since he's gotten to Milwaukee, uh, 287 batting average, 360 on base, yep. 505 slugging. <laughs> like he's just been, he's just been hitting in the like the middle of that lineup. It's just so consistent for them, which is something they haven't had since Prince Fielder. Yep. It's been a while since they've had a consistent presence at first base. Yeah, because last year it was kind of almost a rotation. Uh, like Ryan Braun, I think, was there a few times. Oh, jeez. And this year they tried um, – oh, gosh. Who was it that they tried putting there? The the second baseman that keeps going up and down now. Protesting Hira. Hira, yeah. Yeah. Who's really fallen off. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I'm like, maybe he'll get – which I think he's had like three or four chances now this season. I'm like, clearly just isn't his season this year. Like it's just a slump, you know, whatever. Which but, is so strange. Cause his numbers at AAA are amazing. I, I hate when that happens. Like that's like the same thing as which, which we call it Franchi Cordero with the Red Sox. He's yep. like crazy. Like hitting like 400 and AAA. Then you pull him up and it's like pulling teeth just to get, make any contact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for Keston here this year, 114 plate appearances at AAA, has 1,048 OPS, 195 plate appearances for uh, the major league team, 555 OPS. 
yeah, it and it sucks because we've seen him be like very like good. Like he was an important part of the 2019 team when Yelich went. Sure. Like he was kind of their new offensive star when Yelich went down. So you know what he's capable of. It's just frustrating. I don't know if it's like a mental thing. That's what it seems to be at least. Yeah, he's just striking out way too much. 40% strikeout rate in the base yeah. this year. Speaking of Yelich, he has certainly not been his usual self. Um, really, 2020 through most of this year, but recently been coming on. Yeah, the last few weeks, I'm like, you know what? I am so okay with him having like a down year all the rest of the season. If he's going to start heating up right now at the perfect time, fine with me. I can overlook last year. I can overlook the whole first half of this season. You know, he's been coming. He's still not the same as he was, I think, pre-injury. For which sure. Obviously, like, that's so tough to rebound from. Like, because it was at the point where, like, you were kind of expecting him to hit a bomb at every plate appearance, you know, a lot of intentional walks. Whereas now I'm like, okay, he made solid contact, you know, drove in a run. I'm fine with that. Like, he's back to actually hitting, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. First half of the year. Uh, 241 batting average, five home runs in 59 games. In August, 17 games in August, 300 batting average, and he's already hit two home runs. So he's definitely putting the ball in play a lot better than he was. Uh, and it's, I mean, I've uh, I've owned him in fantasy this year, so it's been it's been frustrating. But boy, August has. Certainly been a breath of fresh air, so <laughs> hopefully he can continue to be a, uh, a kind of that offensive anchor that this team has needed. Um, really, the one player that has been consistent for them the entire time, though, how, what did they tell Willie Adamas? Like, <laughs> he was always okay for Tampa. He was a, he's a great defender. We all know he's a fantastic defender. And he was batting 197 through 41 games with Tampa this year. And then he gets traded to Milwaukee and he's got 17 home runs and a 295 batting average. Well, like What did they tell him? Cuz I feel like you always hear like, "Oh, like maybe this guy just needs to change his scenery." I'm like they're going to make that argument now forever solely because of this Willie Adamas trade. Because I'm like, if there's a poster child for someone who apparently just needed a change of scenery, it's him. I don't think the other thing is like, he is so into being a brewer. Like he's like completely immersed himself. He's like, I love Milwaukee. Like, Oh, brewers, like all these, I was like, Oh my God, he just loves his life. here. <laughs> And it I, seems like that happens to a lot of Milwaukee athletes. Yeah. Wasn't it Giannis just bought a portion of the Brewers? <laughs> He's like, oh, I love this city. I want to be a part of all these different things. Like, <laughs> It's wild. Like, Milwaukee sports in general just seems like a great place to play for the athletes. Yes. I'm like, they um, buy right into it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know... If you've ever been to uh, Miller Park there. Well, I guess it's not Miller Park anymore. Yeah, American Family Field now. American Family Field. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite ballparks. I've been quite a few times having grown up um, in central Illinois. Um, and it's 
the the tailgating out front and the fact that all of their food is actually good and fairly affordable compared to a bunch of other ballparks. I was taken aback by how much cheaper it is, like compared, especially to Fenway. But oh, Fenway is Fenway. <laughs> but yeah, like they take pride in their food there, and it's awesome. It was so good. I was cause so I went in 2019, uh, the very beginning of September. It was actually like. It was a series. It was Brewers versus Cubs, and it was a series right before Yelich ended up getting hurt in Miami. So I'm like, thank God, since I was going mainly, I was like, I want to see Christian Yelich as a Brewer. Thank God I missed that game against Miami. But, right. So I saw, and I brought one of my friends from school who, not a big baseball fan. She was like, I don't know, like, anything about this. She's like, I know who the Red Sox are. She's like, I don't know anything about the Brewers. I don't know anything about Milwaukee, but sure, I'll go on this trip because obviously – a pretty cheap trip like oh yeah and we get there and we were both just taken aback like because obviously there's no tailgating at fenway and everyone's so friendly like they're inviting us up like giving us food like the food's actually good you can like walk into the park with a beer like, yep alcohol so much cheaper like i loved the park I honestly oh, like it's it's a gorgeous ballpark. I think feel like a lot of people don't don't realize. I think I think Miller Park is one of the best ballparks in baseball. I would say I've only been to six parks counting Fenway, but my tie for number one is probably between Miller Park, American Family Field, and Camden Yards. Ooh, I haven't been to Camden yet. Oh my god, it's beautiful. It's such a nice park. I'm hoping to make that happen next year. That's that's one of the ballparks that I think that is technically the closest ballpark to me. In, oh, now, really? now that I'm in North Carolina, it's a five-hour oh, yeah. drive, but I think it's technically the closest ballpark to me for a major league park nowadays. Yeah, no, Camden Yards is awesome, but I honestly think I might have to give it to um, Miller Park as my number one, just because it was one cheaper and two that everyone there was so nice. It was like weird to me. Yeah. The last time I was there, um, my wife and I, we were sat down the third base line, super hot day, and they left the uh, roof open, and it was we were just baking in the sun. We got up and got some frozen lemonade or something like that, yeah. and we were just kind of walking around watching the game from the concourse and staying out of the sun for a bit. And these two people walked up to us, and they said, hey, um, we have to go. We have a long drive to get home. It was like the sixth inning. Yeah. Would you like our tickets? And we're like, I, I mean, sure. And like, cool. And we're, we're sitting right down there and they point at home plate. And I'm like, um? <laughs> so they hand us their tickets. We go over and if this is like the first time that I've actually sat in a section where the attendants like check your tickets every time before you walk down because they these tickets actually cost money. Yeah. Um, we get down and the people sitting that were like sitting next to them are like, um, you don't sit here. We're like, no, no, it's okay. So they see we they gave us their tickets and like, uh, likely story. Yeah, it was like the plush seats and everything. I've never it, I've never had that experience before nor since. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, I would say the one time I've ever sat anywhere even close to, at Fenway at least like home plate is it was like a three hour rain delay. <laughs> And so at that point, and it was still raining, the game was starting at like 1130. Ooh. So then the people at Fenway were like, whatever, sit wherever you want. Like there's 
maybe a thousand people left here. <laughs> Whereas when I went to um, Miller Park, like, again, like, I don't know if it was because we were from Boston. I was just like, what are these people doing here? But <laughs> everyone was just coming right up, talking to us, you know, like buying us drinks, like giving us food. I was like, I have never, I'm like, Midwestern <laughs> is definitely a thing where they say everyone's nicer. Because I'm like, you would never, I'm like, I don't even speak to people half the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I've talked to like 50 people since we've walked in here. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Uh, especially like northern Midwest, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Minnesota. Very nice people. Yes, so nice. I was so taken aback by it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited to see the Brewers in uh, October. I haven't checked. Is that who Atlanta's going to end up playing? I think it is in the first round. Yeah, would be. Ooh, I'm very scared now. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I was just thinking, like, okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> We've got a good offense, but that's a lot of pitching. <laughs> this is Yikes. very pitching stuff. Yikes. Well, we'll see how that goes. I'll have to... I'm, I'm sure Jordan and I will have to make some kind of bet on that one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All righty. Anything else for Brewers, Red Sox, anything before we move on to our mailbag? I think that about covers it. You know, they're two polar opposite teams right about now. But... Yeah, certainly ex- crossing each other on the road of fate at the moment. Yeah. Well, in that case, we will move on. As I said at the top, a large portion of our pod does like to be devoted to answering your questions on the air. So if you have questions for me or my guest, you can tweet them directly to me at Bristowski or better yet, join our PO Plus Discord server. So first question we have is not a question, but a statement. Uh, This is from one of our PO Plus uh, subscribers named Little Piranha. Um, who simply says Connecticut is the best state in New England and I won't let anyone tell me different. So I, I read this and thought, I mean, sure. Okay. I've never been to New England. Uh, so that meant almost nothing to me, but, uh, Sarah, I, I, I understand, I understand you have thoughts. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on this one, which granted, if you ask any New Englander who they think like the best state in New England is they're going to pick their own Massachusetts. Again, I, I know it sounds biased Massachusetts far away, the best state in New England. There, just look at everything around it. Look at what's in Massachusetts. I'm like, number one state to me, which I'm so sorry to little piranha. I always drink Connecticut dead last. <laughs> Oof. Always, always, always. They're just like an afterthought to me. Isn't Rhode Island part of yes. New England? And I still put, maybe it's because I live pretty close to Rhode Island. So I'm like, you know what? Rhode Island has some nice places to it. And I'm like able to like go to them pretty easily. Whereas Connecticut, it's to me just somewhere I'm like, I drive through it sometimes. Okay, yeah. so... So, the, uh, officially, the six states are Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Vermont. Yeah. Um, 
So as a uh, homegrown Midwesterner who has no opinion on <laughs> New England as a whole, uh, let me just give my brief thoughts on each state. Uh, Connecticut, I know so very little about Connecticut, and I have essentially no opinion about Connecticut at all. Five out of ten. Yeah. Uh, Maine, uh, I don't know. It's seem it, Maine seems like the south of the north, if that makes sense. I can see why you think that. Yeah, it's, it seems very rural. Uh, it's essentially Canada to me. <laughs> um, I hear they have really good beer up there. I say so they that, have food. Yeah, beer and food are their specialties. Uh, five out of ten. Massachusetts, uh, lots of history. They've got Boston. I have no idea what else they have besides Boston. <laughs> um, seven out of ten. New Hampshire. Five out of ten. Moving on. Rhode Island. It's super small. I don't know anything about Rhode Island. Four out of ten. Vermont uh, is home to Bernie Sanders and I think a lot of pine trees and maple syrup. Six out of ten. Okay. So I guess I guess I'm on the Massachusetts train as well. That is the correct choice, Massachusetts, as your number one. And I think I had New Hampshire last, just because I could not tell you anything about New Hampshire at all. See, New Hampshire for me, it's like weird because there's part, like if I were to say, like, I honestly think there's more like Southern feel in New Hampshire than there is Maine, which there is like places like that in Maine too. But for certain parts of New Hampshire, I'm just like, what year are we living in here? Oh, good. It's just very weird. But then other parts are super nice. Like you can go camping there. Like it's nice views, whatever, like lake. Like it's fun, which is kind of like Maine too. Like there's a lot of, Especially, like, on the coast of Maine, like, there's, like, cute little towns that you can go to, like, and they have great lobster in Maine, which I'm a big lobster fan, so. Oh, absolutely. You're from, yeah. I mean, from New England, you have to be a lobster fan. It's a requirement. It really is a requirement. But then, yeah, they have, like, other, like, little, like, rural towns that kind of the same feel as some of those New Hampshire ones. They're like, what year do you people live in? And, like, do you get internet here? <laughs> Oof. Okay, real quick. What is the best part about Massachusetts if you can't say anything related to Boston? I would say the Cape. Interesting. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I I, I definitely want to come up and visit New England. Yeah. Um, it sounds like an area, like, I'm a, I'm a big into history, so Boston would be an awesome city oh, to yeah. visit. Um of course, I've got to go see a Fenway game. Never been there. So, got to check that off my list. But, yeah, I just have so little knowledge of or opinion about New England at this point. But Little Piranha did have a real question. Okay. If you were creating a minor league baseball team, what would the team's name be? Ooh, that's a good question. There's so many fun minor league teams. I know. Like, there's already, like, you couldn't really go with any direction. There are some crazy, like, my favorite was it, the Pickles. I love that one. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I think I think the Braves' uh, high A right now is the Fire Frogs, <laughs> which is amazing. What's the other? Oh, I like the Daytona Beach has uh, the Tortugas. I like that one. For sure. Um. <sighs> I think I would probably name it after one of my favorite teams from my um, custom world that I made in Out of the Park Baseball. 
and I would either do uh, the Blizzard or uh, the Beacons. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm in a completely different direction here. Yeah, you're, you're just thinking, like, what's some super fun? Well, I was like, well, you can get creative with them. I'm like, my favorite animals are dolphins. My favorite color is pink. I'm like, the pink dolphins. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I gotta see if there's any minor league baseball dolphins yet. I'm like, I don't think any minor leaguer would want to be on that team wearing that uniform, but that's okay. I wonder if there are any minor league teams that one of their main colors is pink, like proper pink. Like, there's gotta be like a flamingos or something, right? There has to be, but I'm like, I don't know. There's some interesting ones, but I never see anything with pink in them. <laughs> Come on, baseball, get on it. Also, while we're on the topic. Uh, just in general, way too much red, white, and blue in baseball. Yes, I agree. I I am super disappointed that uh, the Guardians are seem to be keeping the color scheme. It's just boring at this point. It's so boring, and you have so many options. They could be a Kelly green and be the only other green team besides the Athletics yep. in baseball. Like... The, for for what 20 years now the rockies have had a stranglehold on purple which is debatably the best color that's what i was saying like how is there only one team with purple that like amazing on the uniforms <laughs> exactly it is purple is debatably the best color and so it's crazy to me that everyone is just stuck on red white and blue like it's just ridiculous. I have a uh, a set of all 30 pennants that I have up on my wall at work. And I keep updating them with the standings, moving them up and down. Um, but there's just so much. It, it, you don't realize until you're looking at, you know, primary color, secondary color. Yeah. For all of the teams, so much red. They're all the same. They all just kind of blend together at this point. I'm like, I need someone to be like turquoise and like pink or something. (laughs) Exactly. Just to stand out. Like, I feel like this isn't a problem in a lot of other professional sports. Like, football has the dolphins are a fun color. The browns have a nice color scheme. Yeah. Um, I mean, hockey is hockey. It's they're all over the place. It's (laughs) awesome. Even the NBA has a lot of creative color schemes. Like, it feels like it's just baseball that has this fascination with red. No, it really is. Like, there's, um, so in professional lacrosse, in the PLL, there's um, eight teams total, but there's only seven in the playoffs, whatever. And there was one matchup that was, it was, they're called the Atlas, and their primary color is, like, turquoise like bright bright blue and they're playing the water dogs whose color is like not even like dark purple it's like light purple and they're both Ooh. like they're like colorful jerseys on and I was like, this is such an aesthetically pleasing matchup to me just to someone that loves bright colors that's awesome <laughs> i love that all right so i threw in a couple here um that we're going to get to, I think. But before we do, uh, Christopher Reeves, uh, one of our actual Discord uh, mods, he came in and said, there seems to always be a, quote, battle of sorts between baseball players and lacrosse players. How does being a person who covers both affect your personal life, and how do you handle the inevitable war between the two when it happens? 
Well, it's funny because honestly, I always like you always gotta know like growing up, I'm like, oh, baseball players, lacrosse players don't like each other, whatever. Not since I've been like, oh, I'm also covering lacrosse now. Like I've gotten so many like messages like you need to pick one. You gotta cover one or <laughs> you can't like them both. And I was like, but I do like them both. Like they're such different sports. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean I can't like them both? Like there's really no similarities except they're played at the same time of year, basically. Yeah. Is, is it? Does it stem from both of them being a spring sport in high school? Is that what it stems from? I think that's what it is. That's what it seems to like start out because yeah, it always starts off like whenever people explain why they don't like one or the other, it's always someone that plays the other one. And like, oh, in high school, like the lacrosse kids are such douches to us. And then they're like, but then look, they're like, well, anyone that plays lacrosse is just that wasn't good at baseball. So they had to quit <laughs> and start playing lacrosse. <laughs> this is all new information to me. My, my, I went, I'm from a tiny town that didn't even have a soccer team, let alone a lacrosse team. So this is brand new information that lacrosse players and baseball players don't get along. I, I'm fascinated. They go down deep with BJ. And that's the other thing. Like people are like, so I think lacrosse players do like, especially have like, I don't know if it's cause it's just like mainly an East coast thing. Still they're like, Oh, these preppy, like douchebag lacrosse bros, like whatever. Cause that's another question. A lot of people ask me, they're like, are they as douchey as they seem? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, there are like a few in every one. Sure. But I'm like, it's kind of the same as baseball. Not everyone's this great person, I guess. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that stereotype was started by these, like, in high school, by, like, baseball players. <laughs> and they just That's hurt wild. each other. That's wild. Yeah, I, I had no idea that this was a thing that goes on. I, like, thought it was something that, like, after, like, high school, college, like, it's just whatever. But, no, I've found, even now that I'm, like, coming, like, professional across, like, you can't do both. <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> I did add in a couple here just for funsies. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh, that's tough. Hmm. Because I have, like, favorite movies in different categories of movies in my head. <laughs> like, my favorite, like, comfort movie I watched is Tangled. <laughs> Classic. But then I'm also, like, my favorite, like, movie that I'm watching when I'm, like, I don't even know. I love Miracle, which is such a cheesy answer. I love the movie Miracle. <laughs> I cannot say I've ever seen it. Oh my god. It's if you're not well, if you're not big into hockey, it's probably not that exciting. <laughs> it's one of those movies that like every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh, I love hockey so much. Like <laughs> <laughs> But then also I love like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, which is just like an early two thousands romantic comedy that I will watch every day if I could. Same with, like, Mamma Mia. I love those movies. That's awesome. Uh, kind of uh, a nice follow-up from, like, Mamma Mia, Tangled, etc. What is your go-to karaoke song? Go-to karaoke song? This is another one. I switch out a lot. But most consistently, I would say You're So Vain by Carly Ooh, that's a great karaoke it's song. A classic for karaoke. That's so good. <laughs> um... Mine usually, and it has to be after a few drinks, is <laughs> I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Okay. All right. That's a good one. Which is just so much fun. <laughs> um, yeah. There we go. 
<laughs> awesome. So that's about all I got. So anything else you want to cover before we shut it down? I don't think so. I think we covered all the bases there. Awesome. Now, one more time for the people at home, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at SKG underscore 18. Awesome. And that will lead you to all of her work at Pitcher List, work covering lacrosse and everything else. Sarah, it has been lovely to get to know you and have had a great time. Thank you all for listening as well. For myself and Sarah Griffin, this has been On The List. Thank you.